going on, family? Happy Monday, happy Labor Day, and welcome to the Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope that today you're actually getting to chill out a bit. I think that's the idea and the intent of Labor Day. And while we were going to chill out, truth be told, after a weekend like this weekend, you can't chill out. I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to give them the day off. I'm going to take the day off and I will after this. So I hope that you have whatever your normal ritual is together when you listen to the faction. Cool part is hopefully you're not working so you can just put us on and let us play and if you are a true wrestling fan like most of you are you were probably waiting for this anyway as some of your comments indicated on the socials. Big shout out to everybody who joins us on the socials Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at the faction show shout out to those who are subscribed to us of course wherever you're subscribed to us if you're not go ahead hit that subscribe button leave us a comment and rate us wherever it is that you're listening to us and that's a huge huge deal so we really really appreciate it one more thing before we jump in and that is if you'd be so kind to let others know about the faction Share us on your timeline. Talk about us in your socials. Talk about us in your text threads. Let people know that we are rocking and we're talking about the world of pro wrestling. Chances are you aren't the only one in your world who likes pro wrestling. You know at least five people who do. All right. So under normal circumstances, we'd be talking about SmackDown and I would get into Rampage. I'd even get into SHW, which, by the way, SHW 31 was absolutely insane. One of the most chaotic shows I've ever been a part of from start to finish. And I'll tell you this much. You need to get here to Atlanta on October the 8th for Still Here 3. It is the three-year anniversary of Southern Honor Wrestling. I'm just going to just tell you, if you know anything about my story, you will know that it was the first anniversary of Southern Honor Wrestling that really changed everything. Courtney and I went to SHW's Still Here 1. It was when they debuted War Games at Southern Honor. Courtney traveled from San Antonio here to Atlanta. I decided, you know what? We need to capture this moment. And we did something pretty cool. We had an episode of On the Road for the Faction, our first one, where we talked about going to Southern Honor. We also talked about coming back from Southern Honor and that whole card and that entire experience ultimately led to me being a commentator at Southern Honor Wrestling. Big things happen at the anniversary. Last year's anniversary, we saw Joe Black become the new SHW champion, and it was our second car back after being off from pandemic layoff. We have continued to rock and roll, and here's what I can tell you from what I know right now. That is the main event of SHW Still Here 3 is a match concept we've never done before we did war games for still here one this year instead of war games we're presenting the war chamber six men 
two rings, one giant cage for the SHW Championship. I don't know all the competitors yet. I do know that our current champion, David Ali, will be defending. I do know that two of the men in there will be Owen Knight and Joe Black. Those two guys were the final two guys at Rumble Jack last year. They were among the final four guys at Rumble Jack this year, and they had an impromptu match at SHW 31. I'm hyped already. I will tell you this in full transparency. While the show is happening this past Friday, I am literally texting Courtney and Brandon, and I'm like, guys, you got to get here for October the 8th. So this is my personal invitation to you on the faction. I don't know what your plans are for October the 8th, but I'm telling you, it's going to be one of the most incredible shows we've ever done. October the 8th, you want to be here in Atlanta for Still Here Three, the three-year anniversary of Southern Honor Wrestling. So mark that on your calendars. Make plans to get here. I'm telling you, it's going to be something insane. I am super hyped. And that really kicked off a massive weekend of pro wrestling. There was a big event that happened at New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about SHW 31. I'm going to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. Not today. I'll do that maybe tomorrow. What's going to happen today is what you want today. And that is the conversation about All Out 2021 from AEW. Absolutely insane and I'm gonna get into that when we come back this is SHW 29 it's gonna be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling come on somebody stop this the monster they thought all right guys no bait and switch nothing like that it's time to get into all out which capped off a huge week of aew emanating from the now arena in chicago illinois now here's what you'll remember okay you'll remember that aew dynamite took place at the now arena you'll remember that aew rampage took place at the now arena all this week leading in to all out coming into all out it was as big of a card as i've ever seen from AEW and they've given us some pretty big cards a lot of people of course were looking forward to the return of CM Punk as he battled Darby Allen but there was so much else on this card matter of fact every match for the most part was a main event match a match you wanted to see a match that had buy-in a match that had emotional investment from the start and it did not disappoint so let me just say this there will be spoilers here if you've been following us on social media you've seen some of it if not and you're good with spoilers then we're about to tell you what's going to happen if you don't want to hear spoilers go ahead and press the pause button and return to us after you have watched AEW All Out 2021 with that said 
Let's dig in, all right? So we start, of course, with the buy-in, a 10-man tag match, the best friend in Jurassic Express against the Hardy family office. Now, I have to say this. One of the cool things about a 10-man tag team match it is very reminiscent of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I want you to remember what I just said. It's very reminiscent of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's going to come back a little bit later in the show. So with that said, a great 10-man tag match for the buy-in. Now, the buy-in, interestingly enough and historically, has usually been the place where we get a match and a battle royal, whether it's the casino battle royal or some other battle royal. That's usually the place we get that, uh, particularly for the all-out pay-per-view. This time, they go with a 10-man tag, and the 10-man tag was really outstanding. Shout-out to everybody that was involved. It resulted in, of course, best friends and... And Jurassic Express getting a big, big win. It also would indicate the return of the Butcher, who would go in and attack Orange Cassidy before everybody else came back out and uh, saved the day. Remember, returns, because returns and debuts are also going to be a big part of what we talk about today. So with that said, that's the buy-in. And honestly, if you were already on the fence about this pay-per-view, which I'm not sure how you were, but if you were on the fence about it, this was the match, honestly, that would bring you in to check out the entire pay-per-view. Now then, let's start with the TNT Championship, Miro against Eddie Kingston. An incredible match. And again, what a great way to start. I didn't know how they would start this stacked card, but this was the right match to start the card with. Intensity personified. It had a big fight feel. And while I'm saying that, let me say this too. One of the super innovative things that AEW has done has actually been a bit of a throwback to the past. So you were able to watch AEW All Out on Fight TV internationally. Here in the U.S., you were able to watch it on BR Live. You could also watch it on DirecTV and other pay-per-view outlets. But one of the super cool things you could do is you could also go to a movie theater and watch all out. Now, I was all over the socials where I saw people doing that. And in fact, I did that with some of my cohorts from SHW. We went to a movie theater. There were a couple of pluses to it. Plus number one is if money was an issue for you, you only had to pay $25 for access to the pay-per-view as opposed to $50, right? So there's that. The other side of it is you'd be surrounded by fellow wrestling fans, which I'll tell you something. Watching wrestling by yourself is cool. Watching wrestling with other like-minded folks is even cooler. And this really gave me the vibes of the old pay-per-views. Back in the day when, say, WrestleMania, before it hit at-home pay-per-view, when you got to watch it on closed-circuit TV, where you went to a movie theater to watch it that way. It gave me those vibes. And I'm just telling you, there's magic to it. And I think AEW really did some great, great numbers because I know there were several places here in the Atlanta area that were showing it. But then as I got on the socials, there were others who went to the movies to watch it. What a great way to get out, party with some friends. I saw it airing at sports bars and other places. Just fantastic stuff. Now then, the TNT Championship, Miro 
Eddie Kingston. I think this was easily the biggest threat to Miro's championship reign. Eddie Kingston scared of nothing. Just an incredibly physical match that saw Miro retain the championship. And here's what's really neat about this. He did not retain the championship by submission. It was some underhanded tactics that caused the victory. And I think this builds Miro again as the monster heel he's always been. Eddie Kingston doesn't lose any momentum. Great, great match. Now then, to John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. If you follow New Japan Pro Wrestling, you understand the big deal that Kojima is. A five-time world champion. His accolades and resume speaks for itself. And let me also say this. Here's one of the differences between a New Japan legend and perhaps a U.S. wrestling legend. These wrestlers who are legends in New Japan are still wrestling. And when I say still wrestling, I don't mean they took off 10 years. No knock to any of the wrestlers who took off 10 years here in the States. But they're not guys who perhaps the powers that be bring back strictly for namesake. These are guys who have been active competitors for the entire 30 years, kind of like Chris Jericho, right? So because of that, they still have a lot left in the tank and their name really matters, such as the case for Satoshi Kojima who had an incredibly physical match against John Moxley. Moxley gets the win, but after he gets the win, this is where things get very, very interesting because the music starts to play and all of a sudden, here comes Minoru Suzuki from New Japan Pro Wrestling, who is, I mean, feared. I mean, feared feared all across the world and when you start talking about legends with incredible cachet it's that guy Minoru Suzuki these two battled very very early in John Moxley's New Japan run as a matter of fact if my memory serves me correctly it wasn't long after he won the initial United States Championship where those two would battle and it was physical it was brutal it was two peas in a pod and here they are now on American soil and they went at it and it ended of course with Suzuki hitting the gosh style pile driver and everybody went up and we find out that those two will battle this Wednesday on Dynamite that is a pay-per-view quality match that we're gonna get on Dynamite incredible to say the least from there we go to the AEW Women's World Championship which side note the NWA calls their women's championship the World Women's Championship. And just kind of the way my love affair with words and etymology and language goes, it really should be Women's World Championship, just like it would be Men's World Championship. So thank you, AEW, for getting that right. With that said, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, against Chris Statlander, who I think is one of her biggest challenges all around. What? a matchup let me just say this i know people were very very hard on the aew women's division myself included sometimes i think we forget when we see a product that is this polished that they're only two full years old at this point about two and a half years old and so they've not been doing this very long think about this dynamite will be two years old in october 
They've come a long, long way in a short, short time. And this women's division has really begun to step it up. And here's what you got to understand. You only get better at anything the more you do it. So that's why these other outlets like Rampage, AEW Dark, AEW Dark Elevation become important because since they were not on the road and even when they were on the road, they weren't doing house shows. They need the opportunity to be able to get in the ring and do this more and more. Couple that with the beauty of having more legends backstage to be able to help and provide input. Those things make a difference as well. We saw an amazing match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, retains the women's championship. Who would be her challenger? We'll find out in just a little bit. Then to the AEW Tag Team Championship, the Young Bucks against the Lucha Brothers. When this match was signed, we knew it was going to be special. We hearken back to their insane ladder match that happened two years ago at All Out. It was incredible. You take a look at a steel cage, a cage that's really unlike any other in pro wrestling. The height of it, the structure of it, it's just incredible. These four guys always create magic, and this was magic right in front of our eyes. My Lord, you thought the match was never going to end. How much punishment can these guys take? What will these guys put themselves through? Ultimately, the Lucha Brothers become the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. It couldn't have happened to a better team. It couldn't have happened on a better stage. This was just perfect. Absolutely, positively perfect. Oh my gosh, it makes me so excited. And I've got to tell you, four matches in, you know, we're looking at the pace and about now it's about 9.30 Eastern, which means that the pay-per-view itself, sans the buy-in, is an hour and a half long with only four matches and we are extremely excited. No fluff, no dead tracks. This is something special and oh my Lord, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It just was amazing. I can't wait to watch it again. It was just that good. Now then, oh, by the way, the folks at CBS Sports gives it an A+, and rightfully so. We move now to the Casino Battle Royal, which here's one of the things if you're looking at booking pro wrestling, all right? Obviously, you want to move from strength to strength, but you also have to know when to insert certain things. So after this, the Casino Battle Royal makes sense. It gives you an opportunity to cleanse your palate. It gives you an opportunity to dive into something new, and it still has great value. The winner of the Casino Battle Royal will become the new number one contender for the AEW Women's World Championship. These Casino Battle Royals are really interesting because unlike the Royal Rumble, where you come out every 90 seconds, or every two minutes it actually groups people in groups of five they come out at the three minute and 30 second interval mark and again five new people get inserted into the battle royal an incredible battle royal with great great talent but everybody's talking about the joker the number 21 spot which went to ruby soho formerly known as ruby riot in wwe I have to say before I say anything else about this, 
the way that this was carried out was beautiful. If you follow Ruby on the socials, she had put up a couple of uh, smooth, smooth things on Instagram, which kind of started telling us she was moving somewhere, told us her name was changing, told us some things were happening without really uttering a whole lot. We didn't know if she was going to end up in AEW or some other space, like perhaps Impact or ROH. And here it is. She shows up in AEW. Amazing. And then it turns around. What a moment. Ruby Soho and Thunder Rosa, the last two women in this battle royal. Ruby Soho wins, becomes the number one contender. What an amazing addition to AEW's women's roster. And, you know, so many people were released from WWE and people are arguing, well, who's coming from WWE? And you don't really know. I, I don't want to say I'd forgotten, but I didn't know who that 21st person would be, who the Joker would be. I'm super glad it's her. From there, we move to a match with a lot at stake. MJF versus Chris Jericho. If Jericho loses, Jericho's wrestling career in AEW is over. An emotional match that had a finish that concerned a lot of us, where MJF pinned Jericho, but his foot was on the rope and the ref didn't see it, so it looked like Jericho's career was over. Another ref comes out, straightens out the situation, they continue, Jericho wins by submission, an emotional match, I think it's great, no way Jericho is over, there's still a lot left for him to do in AEW. And he finally gets his first win over MJF. Now we move to CM Punk versus Darby Allen. <sighs> Could this match be wrong? I don't know. And the I don't know is this. I realized while watching this match, first and foremost, that it legitimately has been seven years since we've seen CM Punk in a ring. I had forgotten some of what CM Punk would do, right? We knew he would at some point have to hit the go to sleep. What were some of the other things that were uh, germane to CM Punk? I don't know. And then I don't know that it matters because he had not faced anybody like Darby Allen, certainly in his WWE career. That's for sure. And so what a huge test to tackle during this moment. Would we see CM Punk fold in, you know, mail it in and just say, hey, thanks for coming? Absolutely not. Too much pressure was on him. Would CM Punk lose? I don't think there was any way he was going to lose, though if he were to lose, this would be the match to lose to, right? You lose to Darby Allen, and you say, hey, I still have a lot of work to do. I'm going to keep at it, et cetera, et cetera. People would have just been ready to have him back. I've got to tell you this. It was almost surreal. Not just seeing his entrance, but seeing him take off his shirt, seeing the fact that the bell would ring and he'd actually wrestle a match. I remember sitting in the Superdome in New Orleans in 2014 at WrestleMania 30, hoping and praying that somehow CM Punk would return. I remember so many wrestling fans chanting his name, hoping upon a prayer, wishing upon a star that maybe, maybe we'd see the return of CM Punk. Didn't happen. AEW was able to do it and the match delivered it was great it was right and then there was this thing after where Sting came out and we didn't know if Punk was going to turn on Sting if Sting was going to turn on Punk could this be something I got to tell you CM Punk versus Sting sign me up I want to see it but let's just make that moment a moment I'm excited for Punk 
back in an AEW ring, this is everything that's right. When we were talking about how you put a card together, at some point you had to put Paul White versus QT Marshall, right? This is probably the one match we could have all done without, but it happened. And the smart thing was, it was a fast match. It wasn't a drawn out 20 minute classic. There was no need for it. Again, you need something to cleanse the palate. This was the quick drink of water before we jump into something else. This is the quick moment to calibrate us before we try another cologne, right? All good. I will say this though. First of all, AEW was smart in the fact that it was a quick match, but I was uncomfortable with how Paul White was walking. And that's not being funny. It was clear to me that he's not walking the same. Um, So I'm not really sure. Maybe the impetus for this match was just, I wanna see if I could still do it. But his walking didn't look good. I think they were very, very careful. He was not nearly as agile as we've seen him before. And naturally, you've had some knee issues, a replaced hip. All of those things are understandable, but I think this particular stage may highlight the downfall of Paul White, and I don't want to see him in a ring again anytime soon. There's really nothing left for him to prove. I think he's more valuable either at the commentary booth or offering his sage wisdom to the folks in the back, but I don't think he needs to be in the ring in active competition, but we'll see. That takes us to the world title match. Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. Now it's interesting because with so many things happening on this pay-per-view, many argued and wondered, number one, would this match be the go-home match? Many thought that Punk versus Allen would be the go-home match, but it wasn't. This was the last match, and I'm a believer, like CM Punk, ironically, that if you have a world championship that is gonna be defended on a pay-per-view, then it needs to be the last match on the show. It's what you work hard for. You work hard to carry that banner. Kenny Omega, Christian Cage definitely did. I will say that I thought that the lead up to the match kind of lost steam once Christian beat Omega at Rampage for the Impact World Championship. Um, I don't know if that was a smart play to, to build things up. I know, obviously, if Cage beats Omega once, he could do it again. But here's the flip side. There's no way Kenny Omega is losing twice in a two to three week period for someone who hadn't lost in 18 months, right? So it was a great match. Again, I think it showed that Christian Cage very much still has it. We keep forgetting that it was only at the top of March where he first made his return to active in-ring competition. You could argue that was actually back in January when he was at the Royal Rumble. I know it seems like two or three years ago that Christian Cage was in the Royal Rumble in 2021. It happened. Him and Edge, it happened, right? Christian goes on to the main event of AEW All Out, a fantastic match that saw, oh my God, a super scary one-winged angel from the top rope. Holy cow incredible great great match wonderful experience at the end of course Kenny Omega was getting ready to send us home telling us hey there's nobody who could beat him alive or dead and the lights go out and then it starts here comes Adam 
Cole. So, you know, we've been talking for the last two weeks about what would happen with Adam Cole. His appearance at TakeOver, many thought was the end. His contract was coming to an end. People didn't know it was going to happen. It had been rumored that indeed he had not re-signed with WWE. Would this mean he would show up in AEW? Would there be a 90-day clause, etc., etc.? All those questions were answered last night. And I got to tell you, everybody went up. Adam Cole in AEW seems like an even better fit than Adam Cole in NXT. And of course, the immediate question, as the elite are beating up on Christian Cage and Luchasaurus and that whole crew, is who would he side with? Well, Adam Cole sides with the elite. It only makes sense, right? Like he really is elite. So it makes sense that he would side with them. All of that stuff makes complete sense, right? Right. So now the elite gets stronger with the addition of Adam Cole, who cuts a promo and says that the elite is the greatest faction in the history of pro wrestling. A great way to bury UE. I don't know how I feel about that, but that is still the case. Only then for things to get ready to end and the music hits. And it is the entrance of Brian Danielson, formerly known as Daniel Bryan in the WWE. Good Lord. AEW hit us with not just a one-two punch. They Mike Tysoned us. It was crazy to see all the stuff that happened in this one pay-per-view. You know, WWE used to do a pay-per-view called Fully Loaded. That's the case here with All Out. It was fully loaded. I mean, incredible, absolutely insane. What a moment. What a night. What a pay-per-view. It's hard to think that anything was going to be bigger than the CM Punk return. But that's just it. This pay-per-view did not hinge solely on the CM Punk return. It had eight incredible matches with insane moments. Minoru Suzuki, Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, CM Punk is back, an amazing tag team title match, an amazing TNT championship match, an incredible women's title match. It's safe to say that this is highly in the running for pay-per-view of the year, and I'll go so far as to just call it pay-per-view of the year. There are going to be moments in here that might rival perhaps what Sasha and Bianca did in terms of moment of the year or maybe rivaling Bobby Lashley winning the WWE championship. But I'm going to tell you now, as amazing as WrestleMania was in front of a crowd in two days, wasn't all out. All Out may be the single greatest pay-per-view of 2021, and we could argue that it's among the top five pay-per-views of all time. Haven't felt like this in a long time. And this pay-per-view absolutely cements the direction of AEW. And what AEW is about to do is absolutely insane. So do yourself a favor. If you've not already watched, order the replay it will change your life it will make the fan who's not passionate about wrestling passionate about pro wrestling all over again it was the right city the right crowd the right venue the right night boy AEW is going up and there's a lot of amazing things that now happen and I'll tell you this what a bad time 
to rebrand NXT. What a bad time to change the look and feel and direction of NXT. It wasn't broke. Why try to fix it? Now you lose the longest reigning NXT champion of all time. You lose one of the biggest draws in WWE of the modern era. You don't have WrestleMania 30 without Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement was about as big in the modern era as the what chants were from Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Attitude Era. What a monster mistake WWE has made. And for all the talk that Nick Khan is making about, we don't see AEW as competition lies you tell but here's the bigger story folks the bigger story is when all of these brands and pro wrestling are working well then the sport is alive and well it's super healthy and i couldn't be more excited about what's happening all out one of the greatest pay-per-views certainly of 2021 i would say top five pay-per-view of all time i have to really really think long and hard about other pay-per-views that i really enjoyed i don't want to be in the moment and call it the greatest pay-per-view ever but i will say it's the best pay-per-view of the year hands down of any promotion fight me Nah, don't fight me. But you get what I'm saying. All right, it is Labor Day. We're going to get out of here. And I want you guys to be able to enjoy the rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this recap. Hit us up on the comments, on the socials, and let us know your thoughts on AEW All Out. And remember, you can order the replay at BR Live or internationally on Fight TV. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with our recap of everything else. SmackDown, New Japan, Rampage, Raw, all that jazz. But today is all about All Out. Have an amazing Labor Day family. Representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is GB Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. <laughs>